0: Tonight's show is brought to you by Ventura Training and Athletics. Restore, Train, Maintain. Specializing in the restoration of the muscular system to help you move and feel better. Combating TBI, PTSD, and pain through specialized strength training. Again, get your body right, get your mind right, defeat the demons.
1: This is the Veteran
2: Trash Talk Hour hosted by Nick, Dave,
1: Joe, and Buddy. Today's special guests are When, a former grunt turned pilot to afford his Dodge Charger, and
2: John or die Troxel. <laughs>
3: What's going on, everybody? Happy Saturday. We are back. Welcome to episode 42 of the Trash Talk Hour. Shout out to our sponsors of Training and Athletics, Cardinal Financial, and 10th Mountain Whiskey. Type in VTT and get a discount. Special guests today our retired SEAC, CSM John Wayne Troxel. And for those of you who don't know what a SEAC is, that is a senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff. So kind of a big deal. We Never also have author him. Wynn Anderson on, and he's going to be talking to us about his book, Wombat. And as Yo. always, I'm here with Nick,
4: Buddy, and Joe. Over to you, Joe. Let's get this party started, boys. All right, what's up, gentlemen? This is, uh, man. I've been looking forward to this one. It's gonna be a fun show. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, before I get into my soapbox, I'm gonna I'm gonna pump our guests a little bit. Uh, when I was like I said before the show, um, I was reading your book this morning and laugh out loud funny. Uh, very well written. Um, Everybody in the room, I was reading it out loud and uh, my wife was even laughing out loud and, and she needed to learn some of the civilian, uh, some of the civilians don't really track our lingo. So it's actually in this book, go get yourself a copy and, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll burn right through it because, uh, it, it's got something that every soldier can relate to in it stories are great. Um, and once again, hats off to you Win. that's a great book, very entertaining. Thank you, sir. So, um, Having said that in the script, it said, Joe, what triggered you this week? And, uh, I had the very familiar run in at the VA with a veteran who had just had enough. Um, I didn't really get involved. I kind of monitored from a distance, but it was man at the desk. He had been getting jerked around by the system and, uh, you could tell he probably had a TBI and, uh, he you know, in his head, his points were probably valid. And you got to handle those situations with kid gloves because you don't know what he's going through. Um, but here's where, here, here's what we don't talk about a lot. And that, and that is, uh, these people that work at the VA, man, <sighs> I get letting them know you're frustrated, but they are not your enemy. You know, this is the care that you get for the rest of your life because of what we did and it's the greatest benefit to me that we receive when we get out i mean i caught a fragment of a seven-six-two round and all my kids go to college because i'm a purple heart veteran i
0: mean ride like was, a baby
4: was, see i well thank you pratt <laughs> i think my big ears own. joe i think my big ears next guy Haley? Ex. be good to go as well <laughs> hey uh dave's ears actually uh got a silver star for protecting an entire battalion um <laughs> caught around and had them all undercover. But anyways, um, the VA is not your enemy. Okay. These people, most of them that I've dealt with are, are next to saints. They're there. I've seen, seen nurses with tears, just telling them your story of, of, of having a rough week and, and, and they're in it with you. And, uh, I got a good doctor, but I'm telling you, it did not come without not being able to remember who you are. You're a veteran. You've got to knock on 50 doors. To get, a, to get a yes sometimes. And, man, that's just the way it is. That's the, how the system works. And if you get frustrated and get home that entitlementness, home Nick's homes wearing homes the homes shirt homes right now, my and, and you take it personally, like these people have got it out for you and they're not doing what you want to do. Man, that's not true. These people do everything they can. And if you fight, their fight the right way. Get the doctor that you want. Just play the game and know you're going to wait a little bit. You can get the care you need at the VA. If you stay vigilant, no one's going to come to your front door to take care of you. All right. So this isn't me, you know, dogpiling on veterans for not handling themselves. Right. But man, just remember these people at the VA, especially through COVID have been spread so thin and they're still there. They're still in the fight and they're still there to help. So, um, just remember that man, I, you know, kindness goes a long way with these people and, um, they're not the ones to fly off the handle at. It's a broken system that goes way higher than that. So um, that's my two cents. Um, that's all I got, gentlemen. Well, I read the script, so I know that it's over me, to you, buddy. So I'm just <laughs> going to
1: go ahead and introduce myself. Anywho. Um, so, do you uh, have trouble with that? Because if you do, we nah, can talk nah, about it after the
0: show. No, so, this I is where you just, you, just you just take your lump there. You just take the jab.
1: I've got, I've got a little bit of facial hair right now and I'm wearing my sunglasses. So I could be Joe. Hey, my name's Joe. Now it's, now it's on to buddy. There he is. Yay. Anywho. Um, so sometimes I think, uh, it's fun to, uh, like I guess you can get triggered by it, but I like to like watch society and like look and see what they're doing. But I, I just got a, uh, a video the other day. Um, and if you don't have like, Three or four or five-year-old kids, I guess it wouldn't really be on your radar, especially if you were our, you'd have to be our age to know it. But there's apparently a new ABC and one, two, three song. Like it's not A, B, C, D, E, F, G anymore. It's, it's, you know, the ABCs and then some numbers, but it's to the tune of my neck, my back, lick my pussy, and my crack. How did we get here? Like, how are we? How are we teaching our kids? Yeah, it's a good song. Just go ahead with it. It's, it's got fine. a good beat, buddy. It it does have a beat, but like, there are people that are like listening to it and letting their kids listen to it, and I'm just like, wait a second, hold on, everybody, go back. Do you know what song that is? And they're like, no, it's good. That's not even really a song. It's a, it's a new thing they're doing. It's, like, it's nope. No, it's not. It definitely has words to it. I guess you could say that like ring around the posies about the black plague and people dying. Like, I mean, they're bad songs throughout history, but I just think it's funny that uh ABC's and one, two, three is now lick my lick my vagina and my, my butthole. I
4: love it. I'm so buddy, happy buddy, I'm you am so happy family- that you I watch Family Guy
1: in this time?
4: Do what? Do you watch Family Guy ever? I mean you know that sometimes. clip where Peter Griffin, he like wrecks and he's sitting there going, ah, that's how my head yeah. feels now. Like thinking about my five-year-old little girl coming home singing that, ah. Yo, wait, how do, you, how do like, you even correct it? How do you broach the topic? You're going have to keep and just never, ever like hope
1: that yeah, she never it hears. Like, but the thing is, like, those are the songs that we like grew up to. Like when we were like 20, we're like in the club, like my neck, my back. Mm. And now like on like oldies radio, my neck, my back. Like my, like my pussy, yeah. in my crack. That's a thing. Anyway, um, so uh, my other job today is to uh, introduce uh, Anderson Wynn. He's the writer of, uh, of Wombat. You guys see that? Of Wombats, the uh, the book that we got. Here are the here's some things that I like about it. Everybody's been talking about how great it is, and it's funny and laugh out loud and blah blah blah. <laughs> okay, it's respectably thick. You can walk around and carry this book and people are like, this guy's educated. Look at him. He's got a respectably <laughs> thick book, but the words are big. It's got big words.
5: Yeah.
1: Awesome. And I don't know how you wrote it in like what I feel like the voices in my head are saying, but you did. It was weird. I guess like I was reading it. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Somebody's got a recorder in there anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Anderson Wynn, the, uh, the writer of Wombat, go out and pick it up. It's, uh, it's a really good book. It's Laugh Out Loud Funny and Respectably Thick.
5: Boom. Anderson, go ahead. Boom. Welcome to the Fast Talk Hour.
4: Respectably Thick. I like that. I think
5: that's Yeah, be- cheers.
0: That's the first time you ever heard that, huh? <laughs> when,
4: <laughs> when, when I think we should place a bet to see if you get that tattoo. Like, get, get it up on high on the shoulder, Respectably Thick. Oh, yeah. Oh, my wife would like that. She'd be, she'd totally be down. She'd love us if we if we, we were the like root cause of that. That's yeah. definitely a good t-shirt.
0: Hey, just go with it.
4: I <laughs> like
5: that. I like that compliment. That's a that's a new one I haven't heard yet. You know, it's it looks like you're educated walking around reading it.
0: Yeah. So when we made, we made fun of you in the song and we said that a grunt that became a helicopter pilot so that he could pay off his Dodge charger. So, um, so please again, tell, tell, tell us about, uh, your service and the transition and then, uh, you know, learning how to write. So that, that, that must've been difficult coming from the one seventy third. but, uh, yeah, welcome. (laughs)
5: Thanks. It's good to be on. I like your show. I like, um, I like what y'all do too. that whole, um, Stop soldier suicide. I mean, that's that's like a huge thing that we're dealing with now, and unfortunately, like all of you, I know multiple people who either um, took their own lives or basically did the same thing through like drug use or drinking themselves to death after they got out, um, which to me falls in the same category as if you you know pulled a trigger or whatever. So it's really important thing that you do and, and in the book and it is like I'm glad that everyone gets the humor and that's really what I was going for um, as well I was trying to show the humorous human side of all of us you know but I do also I talk about PTSD and uh, that I've been dealing with that you know since really since the deployment um, that I discuss in Wombat uh, so i do talk about some serious stuff and i do use occasional big words um but i but i started off uh in the 173rd and then i was over there for about six years and this was actually the second deployment i was on that i talk about in wombat and i got a bunch of stories um i don't want to give it all away but it was one of those deployments where anything that can happen did happen like earlier, um, Joe was talking about you know like catching bullets that happened, but also I got stung by a damn scorpion, fell off a bunker. It's just a bunch of a bunch of crazy stuff happened, and I try to try to show the humorous side of all that, not necessarily the uh, the serious side of it. If that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, that does. uh, I, you know, I get pegged all the time as I use a I use humor as a coping mechanism. So what I I deal with my PTSD and my stress is I just make fun of it. You know, I just make fun of the shit that happened. Uh, Let me read a quote from your book. So this one caught me. It's good. You have to go to chapter nine. But apparently you were a sick call ranger. So you went to sick call a lot. (laughs) And called, i was falling off of mountains and shit uh, so they say good god sergeant anderson are you going to, for the all-time record of medical visits and then they explain to you that they were being rhetorical and then it says hey what's with me what's your answer what are you doing this time and you're like oh i thought you were being rhetorical this time i got shot in the head it was totally an accident though <laughs> Yep. Uh, so talk about talk about. we yeah. yeah, yeah, we've seen a few guys get shot to the dome and survive. So uh, Dave's good friend yeah. Barney, that happened to him. But uh, yeah, talk about that. Please,
5: please elaborate. Yeah. So, um, well, the book I detail it quite a bit, but uh, me and my saw gunner uh, Willie at the time were on point of this mission. We were taking these like signal dudes up into the mountains. To um, we're trying to like triangulate some enemy chatter that had been coming in. They were going to come ambush us on Bob Tillman. And um, so we we're on point. We got him in this spot and we're out kind of pushed on this rock outcropping. And the our position wasn't the best in retrospect. We did not have much cover that we were behind. And uh, at some point, you know how it goes. It's like out of nowhere, everything just popped off. And we're being engaged from all kinds of different directions. And uh, you know, we're returning fire kind of ineffectively, trying to figure out where it's all coming from. I mean, we we're like the classic movie pinned down, you know. And uh at some point there's that little, most of y'all have probably experienced this, that random like pause in a firefight where it's just like everybody's reloading or regrouping or something and i like popped my head up to try to see if i could get eyes on anyone and then like um there was a burst of machine gun fire and one of them caught me and thankfully it hit like uh right in the base plate of the nods of the helmet so it like it punched into the helmet but didn't punch all the way through and uh i think the way i describe it in the book i'm talking about it was like i was in a yoga pose i was sitting down there in um cobra position you know and it snapped my head back and then i kind of fell forward and there i thought i was dying because uh there was blood like dripping on the ground and it filled up my uh eye pro, so i thought i was like going blind in an eye and stuff better not take it off
0: <laughs>
2: yeah i know
5: i know but i tried to like so I'm telling the story, story and it sounds serious, but I also I tried to tell it in like a, an amusing manner because like in retrospect, it was a pretty funny story. But at I mean, at the time, it wasn't that funny, but like uh, I ended up I was kind of out of it. You know, I like I was unconscious for a couple seconds. And when I came back to. I freaking stood up in this damn firefight and was like walking to some somebody that was on the higher ground, and they like snatched me down behind their cover, and uh, you know I was like, bro, how bad is it? And he kind of pushed my helmet up, and he's like, he's like, you're good, you're good. It's just your head's, you know, split open. Um, and like I don't really remember the rest of the firefight all that well. But the next thing I remember is you were talking about don't take your helmet off. Like I had my helmet off leaning up against the, like the tire of a Humvee and I was smoking. I don't even think I smoked at the time. Just like I needed a freaking smoke, you know.
4: But yeah, that's a like, good cigarette there.
5: Oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one that needs to, to happen. Yeah. And then this like the, fifth, the fifth damn time I've been to the freaking medics on that deployment for whatever the hell. So that's where the whole story, the conversation with him afterwards comes in, you know, where I'm talking about, uh, what is the all time record for medic visits? Cause you know, I think I can break it.
0: Yeah. and Like oh, Buddy good. said, th- there's th- just the way you use the lingo as I, you know, I'm only four chapters in and I read four separate different, like, no, nah, I didn't read in order. And, uh, yeah. you know, as you're reading it, it's like, I know exactly, exactly what you're saying and I know exactly what's going on. And it's it is funny because, you know, I could I related right away to when I got blown up and uh, I, I didn't know where I was. And Joe was yeah. the one that came and got me out of the truck. And uh, when I got back to the base, my first sergeant finds me walking around the patrol base. Now, this patrol base is very tiny in Samara. And he, yeah. you know, he he's like, control, is that you? And I was like, yo, you know, I'm 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 gone. You know, and he's like, he's like, where's your fucking squad leader? I'm like, I don't know. You know, and like, here I am just like wandering around the damn patrol base. Like, and like, so I, like when you're walking, like you said, you started walking around that firefight having no fucking idea where you were. It's yeah. like, dude, I know what you're talking about. It's freaking hilarious. Where can we find your book?
5: So you can find it on a lot of places. I'm working on doing a website. I am honestly, I'm not very good on the social media and all that kind of stuff. I'm not big into it. I've had to a little more get into it, but you can find it on Amazon. Uh, if you just type in Wombat book, it's like the third one that pops up. I think the first one says P is for poops. That's not my book. Mm-hmm. It's like the third one down. Um, you can also get it on Barnes & Noble through their online orders. And then Books a Million and IndieBound.org. If you want to like order it through a local bookstore, the IndieBound.org is the way to go because that means your local bookstore will will make the money whatever they make for you know selling books and all that kind. how long has it been out brother it's been out since december 18th okay it's getting
4: getting some it's getting some love too because my wife was uh checking out the reviews and uh she said man it's uh the reviews are are solid man so people are liking it
5: that's so gratifying to hear it's amazing to hear like you know veterans and other soldiers say um how much they can relate with it. Cause that's what I was trying to go for. Like most of us aren't the damn Navy seal that killed bin Laden, you know, but like we're Yanking still bacon. Yeah. We're still doing some real shit and that's what I was trying to uh, portray in there.
0: So well, it's you, really I,
5: I, gratifying to hear that it
0: comes across. Yeah, you did that. Uh, and again, we'll get about three to 5,000 viewers on GruntWorks, and, uh, we have a pretty large one on uh, YouTube, actually. And some people on there saying, How ha- it's a good thing you had a helmet to fit that big ass head. Uh, right. I think it's uh, I think I it's Hannah Anderson. <laughs> Hannah Anderson's on there calling you out. So probably some relation there, maybe not.
5: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my sister.
0: Yeah. So oh, we had wow. a, we, we had a really, you know, we came from a real airborne unit, you know, the 82nd. And then, so for you oh, to come what? out of this, the redheaded Boom. stepchild like that, and and be able to you know actually write a book that made sense to even us that's a, so that's proud. a pretty big very deal impressive. And, uh, very impressive very I'm, impressive i'm going to put that plug out i'm going to put that plug out there for you that again i'm going to finish reading it this weekend because it's hilarious so those of you who are veterans from you know whatever mos does not matter okay you will understand this book and it is it is actually, I, like I said, I felt it was a great way if you're struggling with PTSD to read about it. Cause we also had uh, Ryan Hendrickson on a show a while ago who wrote tip of the spear and had to five. And the guy was on the show who dropped the 500 pounder on top of him who lied to the air force about it, you know? So he started writing, you know, writing about that stuff and yeah. that was, that helped him. So did that help you? Is that one of the reasons you wrote as well?
5: Yeah, it it helped me immensely. Um honestly, I started I've written my whole life, but um part of the process of dealing with this whole thing was um was writing about it. And uh just for anyone else out there that deals with like PTSD or, or any aspect of it, I have never missed a mission or never and never missed a deployment because of it. I have five deployments to Afghanistan. I have like over a thousand combat hours flying over there. And I've been dealing with PTSD since this book in 2008, 2007, eight. Um, and I'm still in, I've never missed anything because of it. It's just something I have to deal with. And like, I go, I do all the, I go to therapy, you know, I'm like required to, but I've never been grounded because of it. Pilots are super scared of that word grounded, you know? And there's that whole stigma that if you ever say you have any, you know, mental problems you are going to be grounded. I've never been freaking grounded because of that.
3: it. it um, dude, I love that you bring that up because you yeah. just talked about the stigma and that goes for all leaders out there. And I think it's becoming a lot better. We are changing the culture somewhat, but leaders like Takes just time. Be, yeah. Time. Leaders to be able to yep. say, Hey, I'm seeking help. I, You know, I, I have PTSD. It's okay. It's okay. Yep. You know, yeah, back but- in the day, it's like, Hey, there goes my next promotion. You know, I'm not going to make E8 or I'm not going to make E9. You know, because I'm seeking help. So for you to still be in and say, "Hey, I have some issues and I seek help," I applaud you for that. You know, especially being a pilot because I know it's a lot riskier to do that.
0: Hey, buddy, buddy, yeah. Go ahead. Plug your, uh, plug your, plug your uh, woodworking one sixtieth guy. He had the same pilot, same message. Danny Bell, I know Danny Danny. Bell.
4: Danny's freaking awesome, man. Are you talking about Danny? he does Heather. some serious work.
1: Heather's dropping people off. What's up, yeah, Heather? Danny does actually uh I just talked to Danny. He's about to uh do the pour for the fifth group table. But yeah, Dude, that's he That's legit, uh, man. Yeah, he I've been
4: uh, watching he, that.
1: he deals with a lot of the same stuff. He just does it through uh through woodworking and and uh, uh you know, therapy and all that, but yeah, he's got the same issues. Like he, you know, he was a pilot and uh or it is a pilot and you know, it, he says the same thing, you know, it doesn't matter. He's you know, getting treatment, not getting treatment, doing whatever he's doing. Uh, you know, people will, the, the, you build it up in your head as if you ask for help, everybody's going to turn their back on you and it's, and it's yeah. the opposite. Like you're your own worst enemy when it comes to getting treatment. Oh,
0: Sure.
4: Hey, so, yeah, Hey,
0: Hey, hey when, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe.
4: No, I got, well, I got a point, you know, early on when we first started, Nick, Nick gave a, uh, he gave a soapbox about Ranger school uh, when 1st uh, Arm Perez came on. And I still remember that. And I remember a few, few points from it because it was a good one. Uh,
2: he basically said, you
4: know, if, if, you, if, you talk that, if you talk that game, you know, um, as a leader, you, you, you need to walk it. You know, you need to show your soldiers I'm willing to go through that suck fest. And I think that these two correlate because um, if you ask retired CAC Troc, uh, uh Troxel, I remember the first time you were on our show – one of the things that resonated with me so much was you saying the longest walk was that day you walked to uh, Jim Mattis's office to tell them to tell him. And absolutely, brother, when, when when soldiers that look up to you and let's be honest, I mean, we don't need to give out candy to say people look up to both. of you. I mean, you guys have had great careers and achieved things and uh, it's incredible. But for you to say, hey, look, while I've been doing all of this, I've been dealing with this. Like when just said you can still be productive you can still be a force to be dealt with yep and deal with your ptsd and deal with your ptsd because dealing with it is only going to make you better so um i just i love the message coming from leaders like that
2: it's easier to go to combat and be comfortable because that's our safe space is being engaged in combat You know, it's a lot more difficult when going to the Safeway grocery store is still a battle drill six operation for you. And there's only one way in and one way out. When you go down an aisle, you don't have 360 degree view. Your peripheral vision is guarded. Someone may have a cart sideways in the aisle and now it's a blocking obstacle. People are behind you and you hear voices and the hairs going up on the back and you're trying to get to a position of dominance, a quasi support by fire position in the store so yeah. that you and feel comfortable.
4: just at the freaking grocery store and
2: you're going grocery shopping
4: <laughs> and you feel you know? claustrophobic
2: absolutely yeah. and, and it's yeah. and it, sure. until you get out of that grocery store you still are not comfortable because now when you're outdoors you got fresh air time and space you're not in this built-up area and you don't have to do battle girl six anymore so that's the norm now for me you know is i've had to deal with going to the grocery store you know and as you said Joe, the toughest thing I had to do, forget walking the Hindu Kush, walking 200 meters from DiLorenzo Clinic to Secretary Jim Madison's office and fighting Joe Dunford's office and tell him that I am in therapy for PTSD. But as Wynn said, I did this to myself. And as Dave said, I did this to myself. Nobody, you know, I, I said, man, are they going to lose confidence in me? You know, or are they going to be afraid to send me to Libya or Yemen or someplace like that again to get the pulse of the force? So you're exactly yep. right.
4: I remember you saying that as well, that that was the one, the one thought that uh, rang through your head. And, and for the guys that um, weren't pilots, I think that that, that is something that everybody that's been um, to like Nick and Dave's level on up to yours is, are they going to take my men? Yeah. Are they going to take me away from them when they have to go into harm's way? And um, I can only imagine how terrifying that would be for someone that's put 20, 30 years into their career. And um, it's, it's a valid concern, and it's legitimate, and, but, but you've got to just deal with the truth, and, and, and honesty will trump all things, and the right leaders will, will react the right way to it.
1: You know, the funny thing, Joe, is that, like, like for instance, uh, and it wasn't PTSD or anything else that kind of brought this to my attention, but uh, the, uh, like, so I got divorced, what, three years ago now? Um, but before I got divorced, we had a lot of divorces going on on my uh, on my team. Uh, I think we had three or four guys get divorced in a year. And uh, a couple of them, like there was one who I mean, his wife was promiscuous. If Just we, send it. And like, why do you give a shit? Like, she doesn't give a shit. Get divorced. Move on. Get on Tinder. I'll give you some classes. Let's do this. Actually, I couldn't give classes at the time because I wasn't on Tinder yet. But anyway. But when you did <laughs> deliver a class. When did you did, did deliver you a did class. Deliver. No. Go check us out on YouTube. When, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Check out YouTube did, how you Special deliver. Forces uses Tinder. If you haven't so, watched that yet, go on YouTube channel and it's an SF class on how to use Tinder. And, and Buddy and it, Rock's a sick mullet.
1: Guys, yeah. that's all you got to do. Be taller. Anyway. But the the fact is like the well the point is and it it, it kind of goes along all lines but um like I told him I was like just move on go find somebody else there's plenty of fish in the sea you're a, an SFE7 single guy in fifth group there you know like go down to Nashville find a doctor get married be happy like not hard a b c equals d you're fine right um, That was some Alabama
0: yeah. math right there like bang <laughs> wasn't yeah.
1: About about a year later, later, I went through the same kind of thing. Ended up getting divorced, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Right then, it's like, man, like I just told that guy to get over it, and it's not as easy as just getting over it, moving on, and go getting on Tinder. You know, like no, it isn't. if, If you can't put yourself in their position, like going to get help because you've got a problem. Then how can you empathize with them when they have to go go get a problem or properly and, or counsel them? You know how can you tell them where to go if you have if you're not taking care of yourself? How do you help them, let them take care of themselves? You know what I mean? And uh, yep. and going to get help, going to get therapy, going to talk to people, it all it all just kind of builds your worldview of of what is possible, what you can do, and then show them that it is all right to go. Talk to somebody, get some help, take a knee, and then come back and be better for it.
0: All right, hey, uh, before I turn it over to Sergeant Major Troxel, uh, Win uh, again, say uh, if you had you know thirty seconds, what you do now to sell your book? Why, why should I go get your book?
5: Because it's fucking hilarious, <laughs> bang bang bang, and I mean, I take it, it like Fair you enough, said, <laughs> yeah, soldiers and. I think any civilians that like humor will identify with it. Um, Check it out on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. At a minimum, you'll laugh. And um, to quote a wise man, it's respectably thick.
0: (laughs) Boom. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, let's get a shirt made with that uh, quickly before somebody else does. Uh, and, yes, uh, uh, I'll buy so, <laughs> um, I don't care if it's on Gruntworks or VTT; doesn't matter. Just uh, get, but...
1: just get that book sideways on the spine, Respectively yeah, exactly. thick. Hey, Wombat. hey, hey win, There's win your tank top, this... buddy. Hold There's your joke. tank top. Hey.
4: Win, on this personal message you wrote to me on the book, which is freaking hilarious. Maybe I can yeah. steal your uh, autograph, and we can put that on the shirt underneath, respectably thick. Quote.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down. down. I'll, I'll buy a hundred. Hey, uh, Chris, Chris uh, big shout out to Chris. He's not on the screen, but he's doing all the hard work behind the scenes for us. Uh, Chris, if you want to throw that picture up uh, that I gave you for uh, Sergeant Major Troxel. Now, I I have the pleasure of introducing him for the second time on our show. Uh, absolute awesome guy to have on. And again, we're dead serious that you know a bunch of E-8s in the Army had no idea who he was. So I started working operations uh at Nickel co and like everybody's like oh shit fucking sea coming i'm like what the fuck is that you know and it's like why are we why is everybody going nuts you know and i'm like who like who cares the auditorium's clean the microphones work shuttle <laughs> the fuck down you know it's like so star major know, of the uh, army like yeah that's uh, not, not the yeah. star major of the army for christ's sake it's just some guys. guys probably like a navy dude or something um <laughs> but so to you know, to illustrate that point some more, he, Joe and I have this conversation once in a while, and I know the owner of Gruntworks is starting another company called Tacti uh, uh, Tactical. Tactical Polo. And uh, again, the veteran community, all right, we are we are disenfranchised, okay? The media does it to us. We all have to, when, when somebody goes in, 33% of the 33%, of the capital writers do that, math that CNN did, right? 33 of the 33 were veterans. All right. And now all of a sudden we're all extremists and we all suck. Okay. But again, that's the cards that we've been, that's the hand we've been dealt. All right. As veterans, we are disenfranchised. So anything you can do to actually be that veteran that you brag about as far as being a stud. All right. And being resilient and kicking ass and taking names. That's what you need to be as a civilian because you're just going to change what the, the media portrays us as. So big, awesome to have him here talking about it with Charlie uh, started a consulting uh, firm as well. And then he's been a bunch of boards. He'll talk about it. But again, he's doing that thing that he brags about and that we brag about as veterans that we're, we're strong, resilient. And it's like, you're the, we are the ones that can help each other. So, again, welcome to the show, Sergeant Major Troxell. The SEAC, for those of you who are not paying attention, is the Senior Enlisted Advisor. Dave already said it. You know, he's pretty much uh, the, the Secretary of Defense's Sergeant Major. So, welcome to the show, and the floor is
2: yours. Woo! Boom. Here we go. Boom! I'm excited to be here, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, it is a true honor to be here with Wynn, and Wynn, uh, thanks for writing such a great book that is written in the warrior language and that all warriors that are a part of this warrior class will understand and will get a kick out of it. And to tell you the truth, I think it's therapeutic for those that have served in combat or been in traumatic events and dealing with PTSD PTSD or TBI. So God bless you, brother. And, uh, and keep flying there, keep flying them big ass shit hooks and taking the fight to the enemy there. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Hey, it's a, it's a pleasure for me to be back, gentlemen. And uh, I will tell you the reason I love this show is the same reasons that Wynn said. You know, veteran suicide is a a key issue, and until we get after the things that we've talked about, the perceived stigma that's associated with it, and then continue to look at ways. When you look at and and Joe talked off about the VA, and I I agree with him. We got a lot of hard people working at the VA. But there's also some that have been desensitized at the VA and pretty soon they're like making sausage and treating veterans. And sometimes, especially if it's a young kid that's suffering from PTSD and someone trips him, it can be a huge issue. But the one thing I've been doing a lot now has been in veteran affairs and 50% of our first term troops that get out never enroll in VA health care or never enroll in trying to get help. Through the VA, one because they don't know about it. Two, some of them just want to get the hell out. And when they go to their transition stuff, they just want to get their clearing paper signed and get the hell out. But three, we don't market it enough. You know, uh, when someone says I don't want to be on the team anymore and they want to go do something else, you know, all of a sudden that person inadvertently gets ostracized because they're not part of this team again. Uh, and so I think we got to do a lot for that. So your show brings a lot of visibility. Uh, to veteran suicide, and, and so I appreciate it. Hey, I, I've just been having a blast in the year that I left. So you talked about the CAC, and I'm going to show you the CAC rank here, just so people know that there is an official title and official rank. Never I wore this for 10 days before I retire, and the guy that has the job now is an Air Force guy, and he has the same inner workings of the rank here on the Air Force Chief Master Sergeant rank. So the CAC is. The senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which right now is General Mark Milley, and the Secretary of Defense, which is Secretary Lloyd Austin. In my time for two years, I had two great Marines. Chris, you'll love this because I'm going to talk big smack about the Marines here. But uh, fighting Joe Dunford, General Joe Dunford was the chairman, and he and I worked together for 45 months. And then for two plus years, having Jim Mattis as the Secretary of Defense was just phenomenal. And it was a a period of time when, you know, we could basically have a conversation about kicking the shit out of the enemy and defeating them by all means necessary. And uh, so this rank, like I said, 10 days before I retired, they pinned this on. So this is the official SEAC rank. You know, you don't see it because I'm the only guy that's ever worn it. And if there's a guy in the Army that replaces uh, CZ Colon Lopez, this will be the rank that they wear. Much like the Sergeant Major of the Army advises the Chief of Staff of the Army and the Secretary of the Army, the CAC advises the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary of Defense, the two senior enlisted, or excuse me, senior officer and senior official in the Department of Defense. So that's kind of what I did for four years. And my focus, because you don't have authority, like you know, the Sergeant Major of the Army can say, You want, we're gonna wear black socks and uniform, or he can say, you can wear headphones in the gym or some other thing. The CAC, much like the chairman, you don't have that authority, you're an advisor. So I was the principal military advisor to the chairman the SecDef. And I also provided advice to the National Security Council when I was called over there. And so what I did is what every senior enlisted leader did, go to the point of friction. And the point of friction, ain't the grass outside the Pentagon where cigarette butts might be, you know, or people might be walking on the grass Or it's not, you know, making sure Joe's, you know, got his hands out of his pockets. The points of friction for me is the SEAC with Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, all of the places in the world where men and women were fighting and still getting after it. And so that's where I spent a lot of my time. You know, Madison Dunford wouldn't let me go to places like Australia or or New Zealand, you know, and, and check on troops there too much. But I definitely could go to where all the contentious areas were. And that's what I did to make sure that I train I could translate strategic guidance so that it's understood at the tactical level. And oh by oh, by the way, get the pulse of the force and deliver that back to the senior leaders. And that's kind of what I did for four years. I have now, a question. Go ahead, brother.
4: How would how would uh how do you think if reflecting on your career, how do you think it would have felt if they would have sent you to those places where it was kind of a you know, morale boost, but you weren't you weren't on front of the line where you felt like you were needed. I mean, would you would have enjoyed a, it near as much?
2: Hey, brother, it would have been a waste waste of time.
4: Yeah, because that's what I,
2: you know, I mean, so first of all, let's let's call it like is the service senior enlisted. God bless him. Like Tony Grinson's a great friend of mine. Daly and I worked together for almost four years when I was a SEAC. Ray Chandler, all of those guys, I know them very well. But they were focused on man equipped train is what they were, you know, providing army capability to combatant commanders to employ in the operational environment. So they weren't going to those kinds of places. Yeah, they once a year, they might go to Iraq and Afghanistan, do a tour through there or something, or they might go to Korea and everything. But, you know, where we had people really scrapping it out in places like Misrata, Libya, or in Mogadishu, or, you know, up and down the coast there in Yemen, we didn't have a lot of eyes in there. And, you know, a lot of these were our special operations forces that were scrapping it out every day. So if I would have been told to, you know, hey, one, if I'd have been focusing on some kind of policy stuff, it would have been redundant work because that's what the services do. But two, if I would have been just basically stateside going post to post and kind of doing things like that, it wouldn't have gave me a holistic view of what was going on in the world. And by traveling to 59 different countries, and some of them repeat offenders like Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan over a dozen times each of them, I wouldn't have had the pulse of the force. And when people, especially in Congress, would start saying, they'd make some bullshit statement about, hey, this is what's going on in Somalia, and and I could either say, yeah, you're right, that is what's going on, or I could say, nope, you got your head up your ass, because that's exactly not what's going on there. So I think that was the key. Joe, and all of that is being able to get out because Mattis used to, if he wanted to know what was going on in Bogota, Colombia, you know, between the FARC and, you know, the revolutionary forces and the armed forces and how our special operators were doing, you know, he would say, hey, you heading down that way soon? I said, yeah, Mr. Secretary, I'm going next week. He said, let me know how they're doing out there, you know, and everything. So that was the, the key of it.
4: That's, you know I, I, I don't know how the rest of the panel feels, man, but I, I'm like rubbing my hands together. That shit fires me up. I, it's, it's, it's just, it, it, it's not, something about It is so like near and dear to my heart this, to, to, to hear somebody in that position. Cause I've never had a, like a real talk off the clock with a leader that has been to that level. But, but to know that that's, that's what you do. That's what your, your first line supervisor wants you to do. That's where you're supposed to be. And you're able to go around and literally let them know. I mean, that's a soldier's leader if I've ever heard of one. So, um, I don't know, well, man, that, know, that, that just fired me up. It, it, I love hearing stuff like that. So
2: Well, you know the deal, brother. I don't care if you're a, a squad leader, platoon sergeant, uh, first sergeant, or or the SEAC. You go to the point of friction, you know. And if that point of friction is a firefight, then you go there. And, and that's where you're at. You're not there to try and honcho things if you're a senior leader, but you definitely want to get eyes on the ground. And I will tell you, some of those folks out there that are in some of the most squalorous places, they appreciated it when I showed up and, you know, and kind of told them the why of, here's why I need you out here. Here's why yeah. I need you guys in Baladogla, Somalia, getting after Al-Shabaab and, and building these Somali forces. Here's why, you know, and they appreciated it. And I think that's what, as senior leaders, that's what we should do is, you know, you can sit in, in the Pentagon and you can read reports left and right, but you're not going to get the true pulse of what the hell is going on if you haven't been there. And then you, you are be on yourself. the ground. Yeah, 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 ground. exactly. Letting, letting right. your guys
4: know from a handshake's distance that you need them, period. I mean, Absolutely. you know, even, you know, past that, everything else is house money to us, but to have a leader come out to where we're at and tell us that, hey, we need you.
2: Yeah, and, well,
4: I, and they're right there in the front of you. That, is, that goes miles with us. Yeah, well, the the biggest problem is that, like on
1: the ground, we send up reports. You could sit in the Pentagon and read reports all day, but until we start locking those reports so they can't be changed when they go to the next level, who wants to? quote unquote message, whatever the hell they want to message. It's not getting to the people that can make the decisions, but you going out and actually talking to people, you go, Hey, so we saw this report. And when they go, well, that's not what I said. What I said was that we need to work with this guy because he provides this, which we can work into doing this. And then you go, Oh, well that makes sense. Because when I read your report, that's been rewritten 15 times before it got to
4: me, it looked like you were kind of an idiot. And for hey, those of you hey, that haven't, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Hey brother, you're, you are spot on uh, buddy. And I'll give you an example.
0: First time so, ever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 it must be the whiskey, right? But uh, so, you know, and there's a combatant command at us, Africa command. One of the missions for the forces in Africa was defeat Al-Shabaab, through security force assistance. A tall task, 7,000 fighters in Somalia. And then this, and these are your brothers out there from uh, special forces land that are out there trying to train these forces and they're advising assisting and accompanying them but they don't have the requisite joint join fires. They don't have, uh, you know, ISR uh, that they need. They don't have the golden hour medevac and they don't have, uh, personal recovery assets that are within three hours and we are expecting them to defeat an enemy force. And we're not, and then worse yet, they didn't have the the authorities to attack a potential target of Al-Shabaab terrorists. And so I reported that back to Madison said, we got to do one of three things, give them the stuff they need, uh, change the authorities or send them some more body bags because pretty soon they are going to be in over their heads. And so that's when, Mattis went to Trump and Trump gave him the authorities to hit targets in Africa, which in the previous administration was under presidential authority. Now it was under Secretary of Defense. So in less than 24 hours now, an operator on the ground could, you know, send up a con op to hit a target, and they were going to get sec approval and start smoking the shit out of some terrorists. So that's the kind of stuff that I focus on. Oh. Is okay, oh. let me go back to the man. Because all that risk that we were talking about that associated with trying to defeat an enemy without the resources, it was on a captain and a master sergeant to figure it out on the ground. When we at the nope. Joint Staff in the Pentagon and, or the Combatant Command or the Service Component Command should have fricking mitigated that risk, and we didn't do that. And I'm not passing judgment on our leaders. I'm just mm-hmm. saying somebody had to be there on the ground to come back and give the real story that, as you described, wouldn't get muddled through reports that came up.
4: And for those uh, of you that are um, first time listeners or new listeners to the show or viewers, um, I think it's a valid point here to um, mention that Buddy is a master sergeant in fifth group. He is special forces. So to hear Sergeant Major Troxel and Buddy have these conversations like this is legitimately 100% the group of people he's talking about on the majority of these visits that people are going to Libya. What happened in Libya? Yeah, you don't know about it. You're not going to hear about it. But it's it's the spec ops groups that Buddy belongs to that Sergeant Major Troxel is talking about. So to hear the you 2 talking... Go back and forth and bounce things off of each other about your experiences is uh awesome and very informative so i and guarantee you the, the only show the other going. part yeah the, the other part of that
1: sergeant yeah. major that i don't think that it, a lot of especially when you get as far separated from the master sergeant and the captain that are right there to the pentagon or wherever that when you get out there you get to see that you get to see what we see and like it's not just putting, you know, bombs on on domes for al Shabaab or or yeah. Al Qaeda or the Taliban or whoever. It's not just fighting the enemy. It's the fact that, like for us, especially for the guys in, in like fifth group or, or third group or wherever, we also have to go into our partner force and we've got to Absolutely. look that guy in the face and say, Hey, like I know that they're doing and, and like, people in the United States are so far removed also from evil. Like bad yeah. for us is like some guy uh, cut me off today. Like that's great. <laughs> but there's you – know, over in the, the Middle East and Africa, like Al-Shabaab is like they're cutting people's limbs off. People Like they're, they're doing actual evil, like real evil, not like quasi-evil, like somebody took your parking spot, but like real bad people doing real bad things to people, to people extinguish that really,
4: lives for yeah, next to nothing they don't care they do it doesn't not, matter to them
1: they do not give a damn about life and that's a real thing but but you have to go and, and tell that guy hey look the you know the, the higher-ups won't let me do x y and z but when you have somebody that comes down and can see like and you could take them over and be like hey look this is you know Mr. Whoever, who I'm supporting and his whole family lives right here. And we're trying to keep them from getting, you know, just like allowed them to live. And then you understand that it's not just the it's not just a master sergeant, and a captain that want to do something because they want to do something. There's a reason for it. There's a Absolutely. there are other people that are counting on us to help them so they can you know, not be oppressed anymore. I don't know, something about it being oppressed is what I heard. Hey, I'm
2: with <laughs> you, brother. And you know what I, so this, you know, we're talking about the CAC position. Sometimes when I would go and visit units, they, they because I was a Sergeant Major, they would automatically think I want to come and talk heads and beds or haircuts and cigarette butts. Don't get me wrong. Good order and discipline is important. But as an a strategic advisor to the chairman of the SECDEF, I can't go back. My job was not to go back and tell them that we got some great looking grass at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. OK, my, my job was to say the national defense strategy, and national military strategy does it make sense to the troops. Are they getting after what we need them to get after? And then as Buddy just described, what are they doing on the ground and how can we help them to get better with the overall perspective of stopping the oppression of, you know, a nation's people and stuff like that? And so sometimes I would go and I had to tell my staff finally, look, okay, I even went to Syria and Chris, I love you to death, but you know, Marine Corps artillery unit, we the fall of Raqqa is happening, and Unreal. I'm there with our, our, our most elite special force, our, our special operations fighters, and I'm on a roof of a building, and this Marine Sergeant Major wants me to show his Marines living areas. And I said, brother, God bless you. I'm i i am all about you know, morale and welfare and and the troops living right. But how many fucking terrorists are you killing with these 14,000 rounds of artillery that we're giving you? That's what I want you to talk to me about. Well, then he went to the master guns and the master guns came over and kind of laid out the operation for me. But the point in all of this is the SEAC position cannot be forgotten for what it is. And it is, as Mattis used to say, a 10,000 mile screwdriver for the SECDEF and the chairman. To be able to see what's going on with the joint force across the globe and that's what i used to hold up a globe and i would tell people this is my battle space and i would brief my staff we've got to get to where the troops are so we can get after that giving the pulse to the, the boss
3: that's spot on sir, major and obviously I, I i popped this question last time i'm gonna pop it again to bring some entertainment. To the panel and to the viewers, uh, the first time I heard about you, this was before knowing what the SEAC was, was uh, Sergeant Major Troxel and his famous e-tool story. Um, Sergeant Major Troxel actually signs e-tools for you if you send them to him. Um, could you uh, just over, talk over about that? A little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit on that a little bit for the
2: viewers. So one thing, there is a certain group of folks in Washington, D.C. that think enlisted people should be seen and not heard. Okay, and we all know that that's not the case. Whether it's the tactical, operational, strategic level, my job was not to to tell the chairman of the secdef that you know they they look great in their clothes. My job was to tell the emperors that they look like shit and they didn't have no clothes on, and that's what they expected me to do. And so as I started getting out in my first year, the first briefing I went to with a deputy subcommittee meeting at the Eisenhower Building of the White House about ways to get after ISIS, bunch of these PhDs when they're talking about ways to get after, and they came up with this. We were specifically talking foreign terrorist fighters in Syria. How do we get them to not be foreign terrorist fighters? And they started talking about a jobs program for foreign terrorist fighters. And I thought to myself, okay, that might work in Somalia or Niger or places where poorest countries where young military-age males are, you know, motivated to join these terrorist organizations to provide for their family. But when you're talking foreign terrorist fighters that come from, you know, Belgium, Germany, France, Canada, the United States, and places like that, they're not born out of poverty to do this. It's born out of this radical ideology. They've been radicalized, and they want to be a part of that. And from that day forward, I wanted to make sure I got a clear view of what was going on. And I sensed in Washington, D.C., and I sensed uh, in other areas that we were kind of taking our eye off the ball with the fighting that was going on day in, day out. You know, uh, Master Sergeant Wheeler from uh, behind the fence, he gets killed in Iraq, northern Iraq. And, you know, it was front page news one day, and then it was, there was no more talk about the fight going on. You know, we lost a, a Navy chief petty officer in Yemen, killed in action. One day news, but overall, we weren't looking at this problem. And so as I started getting more and more involved in going to Syria and places like that, you know, I got sick of us continuing to um, kind of, you know, just off to the side. We're fighting terrorists and everything. So finally, I was I was on a trip with Mattis and uh, Mattis came in the minute he took over as the He said. SIAC, the word is defeat is out. It's now annihilate. We're going to annihilate the enemies. We're going to fight and win and we're going to annihilate them. We're going to make sure that nobody wants a shot at the title with the United States of America. And so as he and I would talk, we were, you know, we would travel together, we're on a stage in Camp Lejeune and we're talking to a bunch of Marines, and he's talking through the national defense strategy. And you know, a bunch of Lance corporals and PFCs are like, the fuck is this guy talking about, you know? And so I felt the need to just say something that would, you know, kind of hit home with them. And I said, what this means is we're going to continue to drop bombs on the enemy, shoot them in the face if need be beat them to death with our entrenching tools. All these Marines go bananas. And Mattis looks at me and says, I like that. Keep saying that. So I kept saying it everywhere. I would go, I would talk about how we were going to defeat ISIS. And it was never a big deal till Christmas day two years ago, two and a half years ago, and, uh, well, three years ago, and uh, I'm on a stage with Joe Dunford and Flo Groberg, Medal of Honor recipient for a USO tour. Flo and I got entrenching tools in our hands, and I get up there, and I did my, you know, the same thing just to fire the troops up at Bagram Airfield, and I got done and blew the roof off. Well, this little short, fat guy, you know, losing his hair with crew serve cameras, comes by me and says, hey, I can't believe that you were advocating for soldiers to commit war crimes. I said, I'm not doing that at all. We teach soldiers, Marines, and battlefield airmen how to use non-standard weapons to defeat and neutralize enemy threats. And the guy said, well, I'm gonna go to public with this because you are violating the law of warfare. And I said, well, knock yourself out, dude. And all of a sudden, as I walked away, I thought, oh shit, what's, what's gonna happen here now? Because I got the Washington Post, and I think anybody knows, you know, what direction they spin. And so I called up my public affairs guy, Mass Sarden, now retired, Rob Couture, Christmas Day, back in Fort Meade, Maryland. And I said, hey, brother, this Washington Post guy is coming after Surrender and Die. And he said, let's beat him to the punch. So I sent him a picture of me holding an entrenching tool in front of the troops. And he put the, the quote I made on a tweet on a facebook post and an instagram post and he posted it and it went freaking viral and there was a lot of people that were pissed off uh about what i did some of those uh Fuck people them. in washington dc you know but for the most part um it went over well and there were, and at that point in time dunford and mattis were elated and i'll tell you who else i had a a, a mole at the, the white house and uh he calls me up and said man the President freaking loved it, man. He freaking loved. It. He said, "Finally, somebody's calling out these assholes." And uh, so I had these people around me, these general officers coming in and saying, "Man, you need to walk this back." Or, you know, some se. I said, "Hey, unless that Marine four star down the hallway or that sec def upstairs, I ain't walking it back." Because I said what I mean, and I mean it. And uh, and so I did, and I stuck by my guns. But the bottom line is, I did it to inspire the troops. Uh, because I wanted them to know that we hadn't forgotten about all the hard work we were doing all over the world to get after terrorists. And also, I think one of the things I say as a leader, your job is to inspire the troops and intimidate the enemy, you know? And so it, it, it caught ISIS attention. They started talking smack about me on their French propaganda webpage. So I asked my PAO, what do we do? He said, let's talk shit back to them." So we had this little bar going. And I mean, I got I got death threats. I had extra security. Around me at at my house at Fort Meyer and stuff, but in the end, I did what any other enlisted leader does: you inspire your force to get after the fight and overcome any kind of odds, and also let the enemy know that, hey, we can all be some fighting motherfuckers here tonight if you want to play fuck around. All right, so that's what it was all about, and I didn't realize it was going to do like it did, and now I've signed over 1,200 entrenching tools. As a matter of fact, I got two more here. I got to sign uh, before I head out to Fort Riley tomorrow, but, uh, that's what the story was all about, Dave.
0: Love it. Yeah. There's, 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 you're getting a lot of reaction on uh Gruntworks. We have a huge uh, audience right now. So, Hey, thanks for watching. Uh, and we're not even near done yet. Uh, so we, we didn't even get to, uh, what you're doing now. So that's, it's, it's beautiful. And again, I know, I know plenty of people have, uh, you know, said you're awesome and all that great stuff. And, uh, and I, I mean, I'll agree with them. And again, like I said, we didn't know who you are a couple years ago, but we got, we got, we got who you are now. <laughs> got to uh, get out of the company orderly room there. first, Sergeant. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, no, actually I, I got, I was able to get some, I'll, I'll talk about that offline. Um, So, but what I wanted to bring up to the audience that's watching is that, you know, you, you're a leader based on your position sometimes, most yes. of the time. Right. And then yeah. there's the traits that You Maybe you've developed that you were younger from good parenting, sports, blah, 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 whatever. But anybody can be a leader. It it is a learned trait. There's lots of traits. There's 30, 40, 50 of them that every psychology book will tell you. Um, But a lot of things that you're explaining are those traits that, you know, you've developed and that you've mastered and that you're continuing to work on. We've talked about on the show, the lifelong process of learning. All right. Um, It's never it's never over. So this is where I the story that it might not be as sexy as what you know the, the the combat stories are, but what's more inspirational to a lot of NCOs and to a lot of uh enlisted guys is what you talked about, and we said it, you know, where hey, what are you gonna do, Sergeant Major? Retire range control, you're gonna be a GS eleven at the academy. Now I love those guys, I work with them, you know, and it's like honorable work. I, I, yeah, yes. nothing, nothing against that. Uh but when you, what you said to me last show, and said to the group was you looked at that general in the eye and you said, no, I'm going to take your fucking job. Exactly. Right. Hey, so I, we can so tell, tell, tell what world. you're doing now. Tell us what you're doing now, what you started, what you're yeah. doing, what's out there for the enlisted guys who have honed their leadership skills, who have built those traits and not, then transfer them.
2: So when you look at guys like Jack Tilly, uh, your former Sergeant Major of the army and, and what he's done and how he's built his kind of uh, generational wealth, uh, but what also what he's done for retirees, veterans and everything. Um, I took to his advice, get out, start your own consulting company and you know continue to do the things you want to do if you want to do that. I wanted to continue to have purpose. I wanted to continue to do things that would allow me as a retiree to be an, an enabler to the active duty force and not an agitator. But I also wanted to make life comfortable for my family. So... I own my own consulting company and this is year two of it. And we're really making a push of it uh, to what I do with my consulting company is I provide leadership and human performance solutions for organizational uh, success. And I also so I have nine different businesses that I work for that are either in the fitness industry, military support or veteran support. I'm on seven different boards that get after veteran suicide that get after veteran employment and things like that. And in the end, I'm just having a ball and I'm doing my thing. I'm doing what I wanna do. I'm not bound by an office. I'm not bound by 40 hours a week in, you know, I gotta be to work at nine in the morning or five. I mean, I travel a lot. I do a lot with the troops. I'll be with the, the big red one on, on Monday, doing PT, some leader seminars and, uh, and stuff like that. But I'm doing my own thing. And the only bad thing I got going in my life is, as Nick, as you said, is every quarter I got to write a check to the freaking government for taxes. And uh, this year alone, I paid $120,000 in taxes. But as my accountant says, trust me, you want that problem. First will so problems. I, yeah, I'll leave it with problem this. problem to have, maybe. Yeah. It's a good problem. Yeah, you, you want this problem. So I'm going to leave you with this. My thoughts on how, as a as an enlisted person, to transition out of the military and be successful in the corporate world. One, stay in as long as you can. You will not be able to replicate the training, education, and experiences that you get from serving in the military on the outside world uh, in the, the time that you will get it in the military. But if you are going to transition, start early, at least two years out. And what you got to do is, we live by this. These uh, watchwords called selfless service, our whole career. And we have to. Our military wouldn't be successful if we weren't selfless and thinking about others before ourselves. But when it comes time to transition, you got to be able to take that military reputation based on selfless service and rapidly transition it into a marketable personal brand that will be attractive to businesses and corporations. So you got to start uh, promoting yourself and being able to get after you, okay? Because when you get out and you go to businesses and, and, and corporations and you look to when you keep come in and say, Hey, I trained X amount of soldiers, I did this and that, they're gonna say, Hey, what what the fuck did you do though? What can you do to make us better? And so that goes into the next step, which is you got to take your evaluations that you've had and you got to build a resume that will be understood by businesses out there. No military acronyms, none of that stuff, and don't just focus on. You know, I was a medic or I was this or that. Focus on your management and leadership skills. And in the end, build a network. And you add all of that together, I guarantee you there'll be opportunities that come. I work on a foundation right now that the CEO was a former E4 and the chief of staff is a former E6. I'm the CAC wow. working for an E4 and an E6. Okay, so so he had be careful. Out, though he had it figured out. Yep. Hey, nope. first time. Be careful who you piss off because your boss might be one of your jokes. Yep. So <laughs> and so in the end, I'll, I'll I'll say this and I'm done. To be successful, you got to dream big. Dream big. Set lofty, attainable goals. Visualize yourself accomplishing them, and then go out and get it after it. Actualize, and I guarantee you there will be success in your future. Beautiful. Yeah. Hey, with
0: your permit, with your permission, we'd like to cut some of those up. Uh, We got our guy, we pay, uh, we pay him with a free shirt. Once in a while, he cuts up our show and uh, (laughs) he says it. So if you could cut some of those quotes up and send them out, that'd be awesome. Uh, But you don't have to go unless you have to go. No, no, I'm good. I'm here. Yeah. We'd like to keep this conversation going
2: 15 tomorrow morning.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So what, what's the name of your company? And, and again, who, who's the major audience and like, what is it, like, what does that go? If, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So
2: my, the name of my consulting company is PME hard consulting. And, uh, you know, um, I just hired my youngest son as my chief of staff to run the thing for me. And, uh, and, you know, we're getting our website up now and we're going to continue to build the brand here. But basically what I do is help organizations, uh, with leadership and with human performance, whether that's physical, whether that's mental, emotional, whatever it is, you know. Um, and uh, and I also am uh, a part of organizations like flatterinc.com, which is a, a uh, you know, a speaker forum. And I'm also with United Healthcare Speakers Forum. So I do a lot of things uh, that uh, keep me busy, you know, but the key things is giving back to the active duty force, giving back to our veterans and our military families and continuing to make life comfortable for my family.
0: Yeah, that's how. Uh, that's very admirable. And uh, again, that's something that we are been trying to drive home through our 42 episodes uh, is that, you know, you have to make yourself better. Yeah. And you have to improve your situation. And, and I'm glad you brought up a bunch of points of what need to, what we need to work on to, you know, end veteran suicide. Because that we've been like I said we've said that for a while now where everybody has their one idea that they think will work and it's like that's cool but it's an entire system it's an entire system that needs to change all right and it's an entire stigma there's like seven or eight stigmas that we got to get rid of yeah and as we talk about all the time and we see it now with the sexual harassment and EO policies you know the climate a good leader can change instantly but the culture. It takes a minute. If there's a bad culture that's been manifested in all kinds of, you know, people's ears and heads, you know, then that's going to take a minute. You know, it's going to take a minute to change. And that's just, you know, and like Bill says, so look up uh, Sergeant Major Pearson when you go to uh, Fort Riley. I'll I'll message you guys together. Uh, They're dealing with some stuff right now. They just had a a pretty tragic incident the other day, uh, and he's dealing with that. Uh, otherwise, we'd probably have him on the show with you. But look him up, yeah. and he says, "Find the good people and and fire. Find the bad people and fire them. Find yeah. the people that suck and fire them." Yeah, and I, I think that is the quickest band aid to the the culture change that we need in a lot of areas is find them and just fire. Them. Like, yeah, why, why are they gonna, still here?
2: If the culture isn't sound, you'll never be able to build chem- chemistry within the organization. That will be in the band of excellence, as we used to call it. I'm with you.
0: you got so to change band the band of service. excellence. I got I got kicked out of a, a NCO PDD one time because uh, uh, old sergeant major Floyd uh, Kevin Floyd's watching. He was the gar- retired as a garrison sergeant, sergeant major at Benning. Uh, it, he was my uh, instructor. He was my uh, sergeant major at Six RTB, and uh, he goes, "Does anybody know what the band of excellence is?" You know, an old sergeant first class control raises his hand. <laughs> He's like, he looks, he rolls his eyes he's like what? And I was like, the Marine Corps band. And, uh, <laughs> cause, cause, cause they're the, they're, you know, they're the best band, right? Yeah. That's what they say. So, but I, but again, he was a great leader. Uh, Kevin Floyd was. And, uh, when he explained the band of excellence, I still use that to this day. Yeah. Every time I, I, every time I talk to my soldiers now and then my junior leaders, I'm like, look, we're going on block leave. All right? So here's your bands of excellence. Block leave means you're going to move back one band. So where do we want to be really strong when we go on block leave so that when we come back, we can move it right back to the center. Right. And you break those things down and you, of course, my smart ass self didn't allow, like, I, I kind of took away from the actual point of the show, but that's me. Um, but uh, Hey, I know Wynn's still on. Hey, 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 Win. So what's community. your, what's your, what's your take on uh, all this?
5: So I just, I just been absorbing this. You know, this is some good, uh, some it's good therapy.
0: In- it's therapy.
5: It is absolutely. Um, I'm really enjoying it. The, um, I finally know, I know what a SEAC is now, and I know what a consulting firm is because I've heard this term before. Consulting firms. Never in my life have I had a clue what it meant, but I, I get it now. And um, they
4: consult things, Wynn.
2: Yeah,
5: they consult. It's in the title. For firms, it's pretty obvious now that I think I mean, about it. For crying out loud. Sometimes I
2: tell, you know, I, I, I advise the CEO. Sometimes, uh, you know, I consult uh, with them, with potential clients, whatever it is. I don't do any kind of sales or none of that shit. I don't yeah. try to pedal anything, but I just try to help the organizations that I work for get better, uh, broaden their scope of what they're looking at, and make them more of a household name in terms of what they're doing. Like, you know, I'm a, a brand ambassador for Beaver Fit USA. We provide the majority. Beaver uh, Box. Yeah, the Beaver Boxes, yeah. ACFT equipment and stuff like that. So, you know, I do a lot of things uh, with video and stuff to broaden the, the brand there. i work worked with uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Foundation Hiring Our Heroes that hires veterans and military spouses. So I try to make that organization a household name Uh, and kind of broaden uh, the the people's uh, understanding of what that organization does and so that's kind of what I do you know and you know none of it's a grind collectively it's a grind but a life is a relentless grind so let's keep getting after it and let's keep as Nick said let's keep doing and getting better and let's have a bunch of champions and not a bunch of victims around us I think that,
5: that's like a really good point because it kind of ties back in for me anyway into the whole. Of course whole, it is. He was the SEAC win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all played, good hey, points. Bro.
2: Hey, today, <laughs> you bro. probably flew me in Afghanistan win.
5: <laughs> hey, I, I probably did. I've flown a <laughs> ton of people. Um, but the it ties back into that whole. Um, I feel like people sort of get tied up sometimes and thinking, you know, as soon as they to tie it back to PTSD a little bit, They have this diagnosis and now they feel like that defines them and that's it. And it does not define you. It's a new part of the grind to deal with and how you push forward through that is really what's important. And like part of whether like for me, it was writing and I still write and I'm working on the next book for you. It's doing all this um, stuff after you've uh, gotten out to continue to contribute and move yourself forward. And I think that all it, kind of ties back together that it's a lot about just continuing forward. It's just something else you have to deal with. It's not like it's a brick wall. It's just another small obstacle to work through over time. So I think and that's as, kind
2: of cool. You, as you described, that's what therapy does for me. Keeps me grounded. And, you know, when I, when I started therapy, I didn't want to be babied. I didn't want a, a hug. I wanted to understand what the hell was going on up here. Yep. And why was I hypervigilant? Why was I angry all the time? And it was born out of grief and fear, not fear of uh, any person or any threat. It was fear of failure, fear of not being ready, yes. which is why you see veterans easily startled. Because when you get easily startled, you got caught off guard and you're pissed off more at yourself because somebody was able to get into your space and startle you. And you're pissed off that you weren't ready, you know, and catch and it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, but that's the normal reactions to the abnormal shit we've been through. You know, I yeah. mean, you're there's a crossover. We do, I think, when we go to combat, how many of us, you know, knew that the enemy was going to get a vote and there might be a good chance that we'll get schwacked on this. So oh, yeah. physically, all of us want to come home physically. We're going to do everything we can do to make sure that we and the men and women on our left and right come home. But mentally and emotionally, we prepared ourselves just in case. And in some cases, we're, we're thinking thoughts like, I just want to see it coming, and I hope it goes fast, you know, in terms of getting killed, you know? Yep. And so we've crossed over that mentally and emotionally, we're already dead. But physically, we're fighting our ass off to stay alive. We're fighting our ass off to, um, and then, you know, to, to defeat the threat. But then when we come back, now we have to cross back over.
3: And then a new fight starts, a new battle starts. Boom, yep. boom.
2: As uh, yep. Joe was talking about right off the bat, you know, boom. Now the, the the dang deliberate operation to go grocery shopping, you know, to go to the tax center on post, which is one of the most chaotic things that can happen. And now you're not in control. And so what are yep. you doing? You're looking for a higher ground. You're looking for clear fields of fire shit this, that you've done, in combat to stay alive. That's where we get problems at is that the struggle of crossing back over that you're going to live and you're going to live. And now you're going to go to the recitals. You're going to go to the little league games. You're going to, you know, you don't have to worry about running out of ammunition and you have to be okay with running out of coffee cream, you know, and that you don't treat running out of coffee creamer like you did. If you were running out of ammunition in the middle of a yeah. firefight, Great you know? point. all yep. of that stuff you have to deal with. And, that's why I am so glad what you said, Joe, about the VA, because they are there to help. You know, being a retiree, I've got TRICARE and the VA, so I got a therapist in TRICARE and a therapist in the VA. And they both helped me uh, significantly to be able to get perspective on what's going on in John Wayne Troxel's head. And one, yep. of the big, one of the big
3: issues is you get out, and then for a lot of people, they're not surrounded by their brotherhood anymore. They're not surrounded by their brothers and sisters who speak Bingo. the same language, who understand everything. And that's what, that's what VTT is all about. That's what our community is about, to just is. be able to provide that outlet for Billy that got out and moves to wherever in America. He might be surrounded by his family members, loved ones, but he's not surrounded by the ones that you know went through the hardship and have, have, have witnessed some crazy stuff. And then it just it backfires, and it's, it's, it's a bad, bad situation. Yeah. And
4: then again, he might have nothing. It might, yeah. might have a TBI yep. and uh, he yep. might have uh, nine or 10 people that day that looked at him like it was the gorilla that escaped from the zoo and yep. you know, <laughs> things are going a million miles an hour. He's got nobody there. That's Dave. That was exactly what I was going to say. That's why we are here. And to quote one of my favorite movies of all time, Rounders, uh, we're giving you a playbook we put together off of our own beats. Because they don't train you for this fight, they don't tell you it's coming. It just gets dropped in your lap. Um, so, being that we've been there, um, that's our way of giving back is to say, "Hey, listen, I'm not telling you I'm smarter than you. I'm telling you, I fucked this one up a couple of times myself to get it right, and this is what I don't want you to do. You know, and that's basically why we are here. Yeah,
2: there's there's some guys on right now that were some of my guys. In 2nd Battalion, 23rd Infantry, the Tomahawks, when I had 4-2 striker during the surge in 07-08. Some of these guys, like Daniel Maxwell, they're watching right now. These Legs. guys were young kids, 18 to 20 years old, in some of the hardest fighting. And now they're in their 30s, and they're not in the military anymore. And as you, Dave, you described, not around those guys, that they were saving each other's asses, and they were you know, s- stacking bodies of, of freaking Al-Qaeda in Iraq and everything. And now it's a new battlefield that we have to fight on. And it's this thing called life and living in the greatest nation in the world. And that is a lot more complicated in some people's minds than a firefight in Iraq or Afghanistan.
0: Yeah, very true. I have to, I'm going to give another plug with, uh, with da- what Dave was saying about VTT. Uh, Cause again, Gruntworks has helped us out huge with a bigger audience. Uh, we had a 39,000 person group group, growing and then facebook took us down uh and we're you know we're we're coming back harder we allow zero politics zero sexual posts nothing like that yeah Uh, and it was just the fact that those the algorithms were set up that veterans are extremists and so as soon as those capital riots happened they shut our page down and it was like holy cow um but again so we need your help building the page we need you guys coming back and getting up there because that community saved lives like documented saved lives, documented like yeah you know and and we didn't do it, and people keep contacting us. It's like, hey, we want to help you counsel these guys. It's like we don't counsel them. And I was like, we provide the platform for the brotherhood and sisterhood that they need to come Absolutely. on and and say, hey, here's my problem. Who knows how to handle this? And yep. it's like, hey, we got you, bro. Hey, uh, you know. And again, we get a lot of pushback, and it's awesome. It's actually good pushback when you know we post things like your military career doesn't define you. Right, and that's kind of what you were getting at. Yeah, and and it's it's again, it's like you need to get better no matter what. All your entire life, your military yeah. career is over, regardless of what stigma you've been told that you have to be range control now or you have to be a GS nine. <laughs> All right, you can yeah. do whatever the hell you want, and you know, and so find the people that are successful, look, find out what they did, and do it better than them. And Absolutely. our 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 page provides that uh it, it, it gives the examples of what went well, what didn't go well, and all those kind of things. I do because I said I use humor to combat my PTSD. And uh, you know, but again, the coffee creamer member, the paratroopers, we don't even use that. All right. So um <laughs> It, it, might, it might have been like a striker thing. Not sure. But uh,
2: <laughs> Hey, dude, I was a paratrooper for 14 years. Jumped into combat. Airborne. And I put creamer in my fucking coffee. Okay? <laughs> That's because it was in the MRE. <laughs> well, you
0: need, the sea rat. Was the was sea rats back then? Um, yeah. Yeah, it
2: was. It but, was it's, a,
4: but it's yeah. Starbucks caramel Macchiato. The, oh, rules no. are out the window.
2: Yeah, uh, no, no. that Irish pecan nut roll Sandy shit. You I mean, got to cut it off at the source. Some, you
0: got
4: to cut it off at the source. Some John Wayne shit. Let's keep talking. <laughs> uh, I I,
0: I will I will I will throw a plug at our sponsor again because we definitely went over our hour. So I gotta, I think we owe them some more plugs. Um, but uh, you know, Ventura Training and Athletics. Uh, it's an old paratrooper that got out and he got in, involved with that. The the guy who started muscle activation technique works uh, with the Denver Broncos, and he. Uh, they work on Bryson DeChambeau if you're a golfer, and uh, you know they made him super big with more range of motion, right? So now he outdrives everybody, right? But one of the things that they're working on, MAT is working on, is TBIs and PTSD because what people don't realize is PTSD is a is a brain injury, yeah, because um, what does it affect? It affects your brain and your nervous system, right? Things that your that like uh, Sergeant Major said, the, the hair starts going up on your spine. That's a brain injury. It wasn't an acute injury. You didn't get hit in the head like uh, the big, big forehead wind there. You know, like you didn't get hit there, all right. But something in your nervous system causes a brain injury, all right. And there's lots of things that can trigger that. So what muscle activation will do, all right, was is it's like a chiropractor except with muscle. And so as your bone gets put out, it's because muscle allowed that. So they'll fix that. Uh, and again. If you're near a muscle activation guy, go check them out, and then you know, bring up our show, bring up uh, Ventura Training Athletics, and if you're a veteran, they'll probably see you for free, and it's it's for about four hundred dollars an hour for free, free for free. Like, <laughs> they'll go in there and and like I said, they'll they'll find a spot where they could have made four hundred freaking dollars, and they'll be like, I got you, bro. All right, so they'll do that for you. So go go check them out. Um, Anyways, uh, I had to do that plug for our sponsor, and it just reminded me. So, excuse me for that. I guess you know they got to pay the bills, but we still are waiting. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the shameful plug like uh, Dave did as a recruiter a couple shows ago, with the the young kid from uh, B Free Bu. All right, yeah, that was bad. Uh, so that, that was wasn't shameful. Bad. It was you no. were asking if you wanted to join the army. It's like this kid's brilliant and just started a company at like 16, and you wanted you to go in the brilliant army. Brilliant and be in the <laughs> army. True, but, <laughs> but, but, but oh, not I'm when sure he's you. already started a movement that's going.
4: Um, yeah, Dave, you really look like an opportunist, man. It was like a yeah, ludicrous so, and a so, so, sorry, rough, Mayor,
0: sorry, Mayor Troxel, who's, who's going to sponsor this mission? I know you said that last time, that you got somebody. You know well, somebody. Which
2: mission? VTT? Our mission. Yeah, oh, VTT. We'll talk offline. We can okay. make that happen, man. <laughs> okay. We can make that happen. Hey, I will tell you, though, we want to make an impact. I do a, a monthly podcast with my former 2nd Ranger Battalion buddy, Ron O'Farrell, called the Ron and John Show. I'd love to have this team from Veteran Trash Talk come on our podcast, and let's Done. talk about what you guys do and, and everything, and that'll be the start there. And then we'll get after it, brother. We'll, we'll talk business offline, man, over Hell some, yeah. uh, Hell yeah. some beer and whiskey
3: some 10th Mountain Whiskey. Brody. Yeah. There you go. There's, there's, there's go. Plug. You get a discount. There's your
0: other. There's, plug there's another time. plug. <laughs> hey, so Win, Win, give us another plug for where we can find your book, and then, uh, Sir Major, you'll get the last word, and then Dave can close us out. So, Win, where do we find your book?
5: So wombat, you can find it on Amazon. You just type in wombat book. It'll it'll pop up. It'll be about the third one, Dan. It's also available on Barnes and Noble, online, Books a Million. And then IndieBound.org if you want to order it through your local bookstore. Um, You can just tell them you want to order it, and uh, they can pull it right up through IndieBound.org. So any of those places, I talk about um, everything we've been talking about here, PTSD, but I use uh, humor in it. I hope you enjoy it. I hope everyone out there reads it. And I really thank you for uh, allowing me to come on this show and be a part of this amazing thing y'all are doing.
0: Yeah, no, thank you, Chief. We like love, for if being you sell, if yeah, you sell absolutely. one if you sell one extra book today, it's worth it for us. I'll do five hours for you to sell one book. It's a great uh, read, and I hope I hope you paid off that uh, Dodge Charger so that you got it as a as a product. I've
5: never so. owned a Dodge. <laughs> I got motorcycles and Fords. Twenty two percent interest. 21%. percent
0: <laughs> APR. All right, sorry, Major. Last word.
2: Hey, I just wanted to say it was an honor to be on here with Win today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, brother, for continuing to fly and continue to get after business and showing that PTSD is not a a detriment to your career. It's something that we just have to deal with. And you can still go out and take the fight to the enemy, even though uh, you've got those demons. So God bless you and thank you uh, for what you do. And to the Veteran Trash Talk team, I always enjoy being around you all because we we are like minded. Uh, and we still live that warrior ethos in everything we do, even if it's just going to get a gallon of milk at the store, you know. I love being around you guys because this is therapy in the end, being around your brothers and sisters that have lived through the same kind of shit. So God bless you guys. God bless America, and it's an honor to be here. The Ron and oh. John Show, I need you guys on soon, though. Hey, we're in. We are in. Hey, Win. I right. really appreciate you. Make sure
3: you go check out this book for all the grunt works, everybody that's watching and obviously VTT community love the book, man. It really, uh, like, like buddy said it earlier. And I think Nick said it like the thoughts in our head are actually in this book. Like, you know, so yeah, just freaking amazing. Sergeant major Troxel. Always an honor to have you on extremely inspiring. And just what you're doing, what you did while you were in and what you're doing now, just giving back to the troops, giving back to the community, just continuously on that mission, uh, to better, the military as a whole. So just phenomenal stuff. And we will definitely come on your show. Uh, Shout out to Gruntworks, everybody that's been tuning in. Uh, Shout out to all the viewers. You can find us on YouTube. All right. Give us a like, hit that subscribe button. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all kinds of other platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, whatever they are. Like we're all over the damn place. So uh, check us out. Subscribe, support, We'll catch you guys next Saturday. I'm
0: out. Tonight's show is brought to you by Ventura Training and Athletics. Restore, train, maintain. Specializing in the restoration of the muscular system to help you move and feel better. Combating TBI, PTSD, and pain through specialized strength training. Again, get your body right, get your mind right, defeat the demons.